Well, good morning. Man, it's great to be here with everybody today. It's hard to believe that this year is almost over. And we're staring the holidays down in the face. I can't even believe it. And you know, with the holidays comes traditions and even rituals. And there's a lot of things that people do at the holiday times that are unique to them. And you know, the thing about traditions and rituals, they're actually very regional in nature. If you look at things like weddings or funerals, or even what people do with a lot of the holidays, they're very regional in nature. And when you spread it out beyond just the United States, it starts to get really bizarre. For one example, in Scotland, I'm really not sure why anybody would want to get married. Now, this is only part of Scotland even. It's regional over there. But there's this wedding tradition that the friends and people that know the bride will take the bride out in public and they will dump flour and eggs and molasses all over the bride. And then they will parade her through town and make all sorts of noise and racket and parade her in front of as many people as they possibly can and the reasoning behind this is it's supposed to prepare her for the challenges of married life. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. Well, in Denmark, which really isn't that far away, it's, it gets what here you really, really, really want to get married. Because if you're still single on your 25th birthday, they will take you out into the street and people will throw cinnamon all over you. Now, I don't know why they do this, but uh, trust me, if you're still single at 30, it gets worse because the tradition switches to black pepper. Don't know, don't know where it originated. I just know it's bizarre. Well, on a more, a more serious one, in the Hindu culture... There is this thing known as the Hindu donkey wedding. Yeah, I know, it sounds crazy. But it requires the right donkeys. They have to have the right clothing on them or whatever they're putting on them. And they have to go through a ritual bath process. And then they dress them up and they have this donkey wedding. The reasoning behind this one is supposedly this appeases the rain god, and the donkey wedding will bring about the necessary rainfall that, that they want. Crazy, I know. Well, these things I know, they no doubt make very little sense to us, largely because they are cross-cultural in nature. They are part of a culture that we don't really relate with very well, and our culture is what shapes our lenses. Whatever it is that we're looking at, we see it through our own cultural lenses that have been formed by our cultural experiences. Anytime we read scripture, it is a cross-cultural experience. And today, we're going to dive into one of the strangest rituals that we read about in the Old Testament, known as the Day of Atonement. Now, there's much that is done in this that doesn't make a lot of sense at face value, but 
It was of the utmost importance to the Jews and their relationship to God. But along with that, it has enormous value for our understanding of who Christ is. The Day of Atonement was the only day that the high priest entered into the Holy of Holies. If he entered this place on any other day of the year, he would die. But this day was different, and it was a big deal. Everything was special on this day because it was a day to leave the past behind. It started with special clothing all the way down to his undergarments. His normal clothing would not suffice. And so he started by removing his usual priestly garb, bathing himself, and then putting on the holy garments. Five animals in total were needed on this day to make atonement for or make the necessary payment for the penalty of his sins, the sins of the people, and even the tabernacle itself and everything that was in it. This started with two male goats and a ram. And he took the two goats and he cast lots over them to determine their fate. One would be offered up as a sin offering, and the other one would be known as the scapegoat. This goat wouldn't be killed, but it would be set free. It would be released out into the wilderness. Well, he also had to make atonement for himself and his family, which was done with a bull. And he took fire and incense to the holy place behind the veil, that place where if he went any other time of year, he would die. And he filled that room with smoke. He then entered and he took the blood from the bull and he sprinkled it all over everything in there. The sins of the people had defiled everything in the tabernacle. And it had to be cleansed. And the only way to cleanse it was with blood. The Hebrew writer will later identify that fact for us, that all things are cleansed with blood. Well, when all this was done, he dealt with the live goat. And he took this goat and he laid his hands on the head of that goat. And then he confessed all the sins of Israel over it. And there was a guy standing by waiting for that. And then he would take it out into the wilderness as an act of removal. Removal of the sins of the people and even their guilt. This is just a small sampling of what actually took place on that day. But every year from the giving of the law of Moses forward, the high priest was supposed to do this. You see, it cleaned up their mess. It cleaned up the mess from the previous year of the Israelites and it placed them in good standing with God once again. Year after year, goat after goat, the sins of Israel were removed until the next sin 
was committed. Doesn't this sound bizarre? Goats, bulls, blood, smoke, incense, a forbidden place, except for once a year, and it had to be done just right, and all of that, or you would die, and on and on we could go. Not only does this sound bizarre, but it sounds impossible to keep up with, and it's supposed to. You see, there's hidden meaning behind all of this. It's all here to show us Christ and how much we need him. Sin is messy. It leaves us with stains that we have no way of removing. It leaves us with a filthy past that we can't change. But there's meaning behind all of this for us today. You see, Jesus is the spiritual reality behind the shadow of the Day of Atonement in that he removes our sin problem not just annually, but completely and permanently. I want to invite you, if you've got your Bibles this morning, to go with me to Hebrews chapter 9. We're going to spend the rest of our time in this text this morning. The book of Hebrews reveals the reality behind the whole sacrificial system of the law of Moses. And the reason for that is because the original readers needed to be reminded of just how much better Christ is than the old covenant system. And so today we're going to explore pieces of this specifically related to the Day of Atonement. Christ's fulfillment of this event demonstrates how he cleaned up the sin problem for real. He removes permanently the stain of sin and our soiled past and even guarantees us a clean future when we choose to make him our Lord, our Savior, and our High Priest. And when we realize the magnitude of this, it should inspire growth in us. It should inspire growth in our confidence in our relationship with him, knowing that we can draw near to God and we can hold fast to him. So let's go to Hebrews 9. Now just to set some context here, for chapter 9, he, he's painting a picture in the first few verses of chapter 9 of the tabernacle. He talks about the utensils and how they're prepared for, for things and so on and so forth. Then in verse 6 he says, now when these things have been so prepared the priests are continually entering the outer tabernacle, performing the divine worship. But into the second, only the high priest enters once a year, and not without taking blood, which he offers for himself and for the sins of the people committed in ignorance. But now go down to verse 11. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. That is to say, not of this creation. And not through the blood of bulls and goats and calves, but through his own blood, he entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Now go with me to chapter 10. I want to hit just a couple of verses in chapter 10. In chapter 10 and verse 1, he says... For the law, since it has only a shadow of the good things to come and not the very form of things, can never, by the same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year, make perfect those who draw near. Now verse 3, but in those sacrifices there's a reminder of sins year by year. 
for it is impossible for the blood of goats to take away sin. These few verses alone are enough to show us that the law is an inferior system. Now, the Hebrew writer repeatedly identifies things that the law cannot accomplish. And for an illustration, he uses a shadow. And this is a good way to look at it because of the fundamental nature of shadows. They're not the real thing. Now, you notice on here, this is a shadow of an airplane. And we know that because that airplane's there, there's an airplane casting the shadow. But we don't board the shadow to go to Dallas. We board the airplane because the shadow can't take us to Dallas. If you greet me somewhere and I'm casting a shadow, you're not going to shake hands with my shadow. You're going to shake hands with me. My shadow is not the real me and it can't do what I can do. And the law is the same way. It's a shadow that has been cast by the real thing, and therefore it can't do what the real thing can do. There's three things here, pretty easily, that we can see that the law cannot accomplish, according to the Hebrew writer. Number one, it doesn't remove the sin problem. It's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin, Hebrews 10 and verse 4. Number two, it doesn't remove the guilt. You see, he tells us that in these sacrifices, there is a constant reminder of these sins. So the guilt can actually be removed. And it also shows us that a law system has no ability to take away sins or make us right because it demands perfection, and the law can't do that. Even after the Day of Atonement, the very next sin put the Israelites right back where they were the day before. And all of this shows us just how filthy sin really is, which is part of why studying this is so valuable. So not only does the Day of Atonement demonstrate the inadequacy of a law system, on the flip side of that, it demonstrates the superiority of Christ. The Hebrew writer showcases in detail how Christ is greater and more perfect than the shadow of the law. Back in Hebrews 9 that we read just a moment ago, notice what he says in in 11 and 12 again. When Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say not of this creation, not through the blood of bulls and calves, but through with his own blood. So Christ entered a greater tabernacle, he took his own blood and he obtained eternal redemption. He didn't obtain redemption for a year. He obtained redemption forever. You see, Jesus was superior because his sacrifice actually removed the sin problem and removed it permanently. Notice what he says there in 10 and verse 10. We have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. That's all he needed. And you get down in verse 12, 
And it even, it, it builds on that even more. But he having offered one sacrifice for sin for all time. His sacrifice removed the sin problem permanently. But his sacrifice also removed the guilt. Notice in verses 14 and 15 of chapter 9 how it talks about cleansing our conscience. Jesus' sacrifice cleansed our conscience. With the sin problem removed, we can be free from the guilt of sin. A point that's made even elsewhere and is preached elsewhere, the idea that when we enter covenant relationship with Christ, through his resurrection, our conscience is even cleared. Well, Jesus' sacrifice also makes perfect. Notice what it says there in Hebrews 10, 14. For by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. So because the sin problem is removed by Christ, we are blameless. We are perfect. Let that sink in for a moment. When God looks at you, he sees nothing for which to blame you. He sees nothing for which to accuse you. He sees nothing for which to consider you imperfect. That is truly remarkable. And here's what makes that so remarkable for us. We don't make animal sacrifices today because Christ was the last one needed. No more bulls, no more goats, no more veil blocking us from a forbidden place. He paid for the sin, he removed the sin, he removed the penalty, and he even removed the guilt. That is truly remarkable. And you see, when we explore things like the Day of Atonement, we explore these sacrifices, it paints a vivid image of just how much Christ really accomplished at the cross. Christ took the chaos that was that seemingly bizarre ritual, and he brought it to clarity at Calvary. Well, so now what? It's one thing to, to study this. It's one thing to explore it and acknowledge how awesome it is, but how should this inspire us? How should this inspire us to respond to the perfection of what Christ has accomplished? And the Hebrew writer will tell us this. If you go over to chapter 10 and you look down at verses 19 through 25, here is the result of realizing all this. He will say here, beginning in verse 19, Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds not forsaking our own assembling together as a habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more 
as you see the day drawing near. You see, there's several things in here that we see. The purpose, ultimately, for the Israelite behind the Day of Atonement was to put the Israelites back in good standing with God. But it didn't last. The filth of sin took them out of standing almost immediately. But the reality in Christ is that we can get into good standing and stay there. And so, because of that, we have confidence. We can approach God at any time. We don't have to worry about avoiding the Holy of Holies at the threat of death. We can confidently enter into the presence of God anytime we wish. The stains that we couldn't wash out are removed. The filthy past is cut off. We aren't held back by anything. And we can draw near. We can draw near to God because Jesus has made us perfect and clean. And ultimately, that's why God has done this, is because he wants us to draw near to him. God wants to be with us. He wants to be in our presence. And therefore, he made the way to do this, and we can draw near. That's how amazing our God is. And we can hold fast. We can hold fast to the hope of eternal life that awaits us knowing that his promises are faithful and sure. And all of this should motivate us. It should inspire us to want to to gather together in the presence of God and draw strength from what we have in Christ as we encourage each other. The Day of Atonement fulfilled the once-for-all sacrifice of Christ. And it made God's people perfect. When God looks at you, he doesn't see the filth of your past. He doesn't see the stain of sin. When you were baptized and when you joined that once-for-all sacrifice, your your sin stain was removed. No more goats, no more rituals, no more reminders. God counts you as worthy to confidently join him in his presence forever. If you haven't started this relationship with God, we would encourage you to do that today. Maybe you haven't been as close to God as you wish you were. Maybe that confidence has waned. Well, the challenge today for that is to recommit. Recommit knowing that you can trust God knowing you can trust the promises that he's made to you, knowing that he wants to be with you. Whatever needs you might have, we invite you to come as we stand and as we sing.